Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies. Welcome back to Start to Your Podcast. I'm Frank Gruber, the co-founder and co-CEO of Established, co-founder of Established Ventures, and the team behind the Start of the Year community and this very podcast. Thanks for being here today. On this episode, we're going to talk to Mike Assem. He's the founding partner at M25, which is a venture capitalist investment firm targeting early stage tech-enabled startups out of the Midwest. He's invested, or they've invested actually, in over 100 companies in quite a short time since 2015. And... Um, They've actually been one of the most active investors in the region, so pretty impressive stuff. Mike also is involved in a number of different organizations, but as a side hustle, he actually created a a game, a new board game called Unicorns to the Moon to teach people about VC and how to become a VC and the startup plan and everything kind of related to that. So really cool game. If you're interested in learning more, you can go to unicornstothemoon.com, and uh, we'll talk about it here shortly. But uh, Mike's actually also offering all of our listeners for a limited time a 20% discount using the code SOTY20. So again, if you're interested in checking it out, just go to their website, unicornstothemoon.com, put in their code uh, for 20% discount exclusively exclusively to our listeners. Just put in SOTY20. Now shifting gears, I want to take a moment to again highlight a startup from our growing community. Uh, today's episode, the company is Ecospheres which is an environmental technology company. They're ushering in a carbonless future of environmental cleanup. Ecospheres eliminates toxins like PCBs, dioxins, and other persistent organic pollutants from the environment by utilizing a couple different technologies that were developed by NASA. So to learn more, just simply go to their website. It's www.ecospheres.com. That's again, E-C-O-S-P-E-A-R-S.com. All right, now I want to catch up with Mike Assem from M25. All right, hey, Mike, how you doing? Good to have you here today chatting with us. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so, Mike, we met a long time ago, it feels like now, uh, when you were still, I think, at Purdue, right? Like, we're both Purdue grads, and this this goes back a little bit, and I believe you started something called the Anvil. Is that right? Can you tell us a little more about yeah. your, Purdue, your Purdue history or what you've been up to over there? Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, uh, what I've been up to at Purdue is uh, a multifaceted story, but in, yeah. uh, in particular around the Anvil, um, I, uh, yeah, I went to Purdue for undergrad, um, actually studied liberal arts, which you know most people know Purdue, know Purdue's a great STEM school. Um, uh, communications or in, in, in my case, public relations and rhetorical advocacy is not the major people aren't, are expecting you to shout out when you go to Purdue, but that's what I, that's what I did. And, um, while I was there, I was also, um, known for having a bunch of bad startup ideas, um, that I like to work on and execute on. And, um, as part of that, I got invited to, um, a lunch, um, from a former alum, a guy who had done, had crazy success in tech and was kind of challenging us to come up with something that would help the entrepreneurial ecosystem at Purdue. Um, and I came up with the idea that eventually turned into the, the Anvil, um, which I, I started and ran. It was a separate 501c3 nonprofit startup incubator focused on the Purdue community. Um, we launched the first Purdue companies to go to YC out of there, which is pretty cool. Um, and subsequently raised uh, lots of venture dollars and have even had multiple acquisitions out of there. So wow. um, that was a that was a really exciting time. And and still excited to see stuff pumping out of the anvil. 
Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. And that's a great kind of segue into how you got into venture, because I know when we met, I don't believe we may not have been on your radar to jump right into venture, but um, or maybe it was. I don't know. But uh, tell us a little bit more about how you how you jumped into uh, what you're doing now from Purdue. Yeah, totally. So um, so I ran the Anvil at the, at the time I left. It was the largest uh, student run co-working space and incubator in the country. And I was actually hired by that that mentor I mentioned or that. Well, that gentleman I mentioned before had become a mentor during this time and actually hired me as a first employee at a venture backed company based on some intellectual property coming out of Purdue. Um, so the joke that um, all my engineering friends know is that the uh, public relations guy first year out of undergrad was assembling 80 micron thick supercapacitors thinner than a human hair in a clean room um, first year out of school at a startup. And uh, that's, that's what I was doing. My, my, wow. my job was actually, yeah, my, my role was actually more in the BD side of the house, but you know, in a small team, everyone kind of gets their hands literally in, in everything, so to speak. And so, um, yeah, first, first role out of the Anvil out of Purdue was, um, was at, at a venture back company. Um, and after that, the university actually hired me back, actually the Purdue Research Foundation, to be clear, um, as a director, um, where I had sort of a dual appointment. About 80% of my time was working with um, startups building out the Purdue ecosystem, and that could look like helping them raise capital, helping them find C-suite talent, helping them think through their strategy, um, yada, yada. Um, and about 20% of my time was um, helping to market unlicensed intellectual property coming out of the research at Purdue. Um, so really prior to my, my current role at M25, where um, I'm a general partner, um, my, my career was really primarily on the, in tech, on the operator or operator support side of the house, with the exception of some, some fellowships and, and just some interest in venture capital. Um, but I, I met my now partner, Victor, as a, actually a due diligence resource as he was starting to do some angel investing or um, what we call kind of our, 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 our alpha beta fund from 25. Um, uh, I was actually a due diligence resource that he connected with because um, I was either formally an advisor or informally an advisor to a lot of the companies he was looking to invest in. Oh, wow. So there was that. Um, so you were basically helping the companies he was looking at, and then it led you to jumping into joining forces. And now you're at M25. Tell us a little bit about more, more about M25. So if anyone's not familiar, might uh, bring them up to speed. Totally. Yeah. So um, M25, we're a venture capital firm based in Chicago, focused on the Midwest, um, where the we, where we are um, actually the, the most active investor in the region. Um, we focus on the pre-seed to seed stage um, and look at all types of companies, um, generally software based, but not exclusively. Um, and uh, mostly in industry that the industries that we have probably the biggest weight towards would be logistics, fintech and tech digital healthcare, consumer, um, general, general B2B SaaS, if you will. Um, but we've also done a, we also did a robotics company at one point. We've also done a phenomenal uh, women's travel brand. Um, uh, really, um, we consider ourselves generalists, um, but focus on that pre-seed to seed stage in the Midwest region. So what is it, what, if you're a generalist and you're focused on the Midwest, what is it that inspires you to then invest in the companies? Is it, what, what's the, I guess the, the main driver when you say yes to an investment? Totally. So first and foremost, our most heavily weighted variable is always the team. Um, I think everyone says that, but we actually have it written into a, a model um, as an extremely heavily weighted variable. Um, we're, we're looking for not just like competency, um, but, uh, but you know, founder market fit, 
um, just, uh, you know, I guess non-duplicative skill sets that are applicable to what they're doing, um, experience. Um, but not always, we're, we're, we've definitely backed lots of first-time founders as well. Um, I think there's something that I don't have a, a great term for yet, but I'll call it for now, uh, purity of motivation, which is, is kind of my way of saying like, is this person really trying to build a punch a hole in the universe type business, or are they trying to build a really nice lifestyle business? Um, and, uh, and because when the, when the rubber meets the road, um, we need our companies, our founders to be building these kind of punch a hole in the universe type businesses for, for our, our models to work. Um, uh, but, but primarily team, obviously want to see a big market opportunity. Um, want to see a great product or at least the potential for a great product. Um, and there's of course other things a part of this, but those would definitely be the categorically largest pieces for us. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I guess what, what kind of, I know you're from the Midwest or went to school in the Midwest. Why did you guys choose the Midwest as the focus versus, you know, anything in the, from coast to coast? Totally. Well, we know we can win here. Um, and that's not just because like we felt like others couldn't. I, I think we, we felt like we had really strong roots here. I mentioned some of my background um, through the Purdue tech ecosystem, but that was obviously um, broadened, you know, to cities like Indianapolis, Chicago, um, you know, outside of just West Lafayette, Indiana. Um, and, and Victor as well. Victor had been um, doing some, had joined some angel groups and been investing across the region really um, if there's one thing M25 has been known for, especially in the early days, is somehow both Mike and Victor are in three cities at once. Um, and we, we're constantly can, canvassing the, the region. So having really strong boots on the ground networks and and, uh, and hustle. Um, but also like from an opportunity perspective, I think, you know, the Midwest um, is a region that actually boasts a top five economy, like globally. Like if you look at the Midwest, um, and, and its economy across others. It is it is just a massive economy. But one thing that is, or at least has been a pushback on that is, is how kind of disparate it is compared to, you know, places like the Bay Area or, or New York Boston, which frankly are, are not the best comparisons to make. But that aside, we saw an opportunity to say, okay, if we can position ourselves to be somewhat of a conduit or somewhat of a participant in what we're calling virtual density for the region, kind of virtual infrastructure to kind of solve for some of this density problem in a massive economy and be boots on the ground and effectively a conduit to downstream capital investors from all over the country or all over the world, um, that can be a really interesting opportunity. And so that's um, that's a large part of what we, what we built towards. Um, can definitely talk a lot about the, the things we like about Midwest generally, including like capital efficiency businesses and um, and things of that nature, but um, those are those are some, some big drivers behind the thesis. Okay, and can you just so we're all clear on what you mean by Midwest, because everyone kind of has their own uh, you know idea, I guess. What are the barrier or boundaries of that for you? Like, is it all the way down to like Austin, or is it like where's it end? Where what are the yeah what are the boundaries around that Midwest kind of area for you? Yeah, that's a great question because um, we get it all the time and uh, we often disappoint a lot of people or make a lot of people happy. So um, we, uh, I guess the easiest way, I'm not like looking at a map right now, but if you went from kind of, you know, broader Great Lakes. So if you went from kind of Minneapolis to Omaha, um, across to, you know, Kansas City, 
Lexington, Kentucky, up to Pittsburgh, back around. That's kind of a, a, a splash. You can also look at our website and you'll see all the different states represented there. We do include the Dakotas. Um, we don't include um, Nashville, Tennessee, or Tennessee. Um, I think if you ask someone from Nashville, if they're from the Midwest or the South, they would look at you like you're kind of funny anyway. So uh, <laughs> they're not they're not surprised we don't include them in the Midwest. Right. Um, but but for example, we literally cut Pennsylvania in half. We, we include Pittsburgh, but we don't include Philly uh, for that reason as well. Right. Um, yeah, Wait, that creates quite the rivalry there in the state. It sounds like for those. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I moving on here. So, what kind of um, I, so you focus on on pre seed and seed, and what kind of made you guys think that's the the place and sweet spot you wanted to invest in versus a little further up or um, up the chain? I guess you could say. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think that's maybe naturally where we felt like we had. Um, better expertise and opportunity. Um, I think if we looked around the landscape as well, we definitely saw a lot of interest um, later stage to invest in the Midwest. I think, um, I think where we saw a really good opportunity was to be a first check writer, to be a, a sophisticated institutional investor that founders can um, come to, um, get advice, uh, partner with, that can be a great conduit to capital, other capital within the region and outside of the region as well. Um, and and I think that was, um, you know, really one of the largest drivers um, right. for that folks on the stage. Now, do you lead yeah. rounds too? Like at, even at that early level, like I know yeah. it's still, okay, great, that's great. Yeah, that's, that's always yeah. been an issue, like finding that lead even in those early, early stages. Totally, and that was always, I think, a part of the vision, but you know, with our first fund, we didn't have the capacity to do that, and uh, um, now we do. And um, that is one thing that uh, I think has, has really helped us even deliver more in our thesis and support the region, right? Because to your point, um, catalyzing a lot of these rounds was a big issue um, even five years ago. Um, and so being able to not just um, participate, but catalyze, lead, um, make, make a round happen, so to speak, um, has been, been exciting. Yep, no, that makes sense. All right, so now I know that your portfolio probably is like having a lot of different children, right? Like you don't want to pick your favorites, <laughs> but I'm going to ask a couple of similar questions to that where you don't have to call them your favorites, but most memorable. So like, do you remember your first company that you ever invested in when you were doing this? Wow. That's a great question. Um, I think the first company that we, that I, that I would say I put kind of my name on that we invested in at M25 um, would be a company called Sportsman Tracker um, up in uh, up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, really cool company. Um, we saw like the rise on like uh, interest in like outdoor sports, specifically hunting and fishing. Um, and this company was just like really, really, really smart guys, um, really deeply active, avid um, hunters, anglers, fishermen, um, and had a really good eye for product. Um, and built a really cool app that um, effectively was like, if you will, a map my run for hunters and fishers. Um, and the company did really well. Um, it's been a great outcome for us. Um, yeah, that was that's probably the one that I would say was the first one I got to kind of put my name on um, at M25. Now, is that also, would you consider that your most memorable? Because you mentioned it first, or is there one that you're like, well, this one's like <laughs> by far the most memorable? Again, we're not picking favorites. We're just talking going yeah. down memory lane here. 
Oh, totally. I mean, here's the thing. Memorable, um, there's good and bad memories that we all have, right? right. So I think that's, that's always interesting. If there's one thing I've learned, I mean, probably the, the hardest thing I learned early was have, how, how often you have to say no, because you talk to so many amazing founders and you have to say no to most of them. Like, that's just how it works. And not just most by like a hair, but most by a lot. Right. Um, but as far as memorable, I mean, shoot, I could go um, back and forth on, on, on some good experiences and some some not great ones, um, most, mostly great ones. Um, but I, I think like, um, yeah, most, most memorable company, um, man, I, I guess I'd, I'd have to, I'm, I'm trying to pause because I'm not, I'm trying to think like, what can I say that's memorable about, about it without sharing something too much in confidence here. Right. No, that's okay. Um, it's okay. It's okay. We can, well, let me share, I'll share okay. one here. And this okay. is, um, I, I don't know if most memorable's the best term or favorites best term either but um one company that um i've really enjoyed um working with and we invested in this company early in the pandemic but it's been um one that was you know pretty squarely on thesis for for me and some of the, on, on some themes i was really interested in is a company called medify um based out of pittsburgh and medify um basically is starting in um coaching and courses for esports um, but like the broader vision around like, um, call it, um, coaching and courses for all things, um, call it recreational in my opinion is as that's how I describe it. So, um, you can get coached on how to be a better Fortnite player. You can also be coached by a grandmaster, grandmaster chess champion on how to be better chess or by, um, a world poker tour champion on poker or, um, a, uh, um, DraftKings world champion on how to be better at fantasy football for your like daily league or for your or for your regular league or for your your daily fantasy stuff. Um, and and I think like with the broadening of gig economy um, to being broken out even more and more and more, and influencers and creators finding new ways to extract value out of the to drive value into the universe and, and bring it back home. I think this company is one that's really interesting in its ability to help people kind of. Um, participate in the economy in a systematic way with their call it non-traditional skills um, that brings a lot of joy and fulfillment and, and value to, to a lot of people out there. So that's been a really exciting one. The company's been off to a tear um, and, and a ton of fun. Yeah, no, that sounds interesting. Really cool. All right, let's move along here. We're, um, I was curious, I heard you say, and I was going to ask you about this. One of your most challenging parts of investing was learning to say no. Um, I'm curious how you overcame that challenge or have overcome that challenge now that you've been doing this for a while. Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is just like, just like doing reps. I mean, with, with some of that, it, it, it comes a little easier, but I think also we, we actually focus really um, intently at M25 about how we say no as well. Um, and it's not that every, you know, founder we say no to gets a goodie bag or anything like that. But um, we do try to send, we do, we do try to be thoughtful with our, our passes and um, at the very least try to give them, you know, some sort of value in, in the form of feedback or an introduction or encouragement or, or something. Um, and I think like, you know, at the same time too, we've also realized and part, part of this comes from being on somewhat on the operating side myself, but also just seeing it from our own companies and companies we passed on as well that, um, sometimes uh, a firm no, um, a, a quick firm no, 
or a timely no is is really helpful um uh because you know if there's one thing that's probably the most valuable resource for a founder is their time and um being being really good about um being decisive and clear and transparent and offering feedback when you can i think we we see as an opportunity to still add value or be a valuable participant in their journey even if we're not um writing in the check yeah that makes a lot of sense absolutely agree now you mentioned um you know there are a few that have passed you've passed on is there any company that you passed on that maybe just turned into a company you're like oh darn it i really blew that one because <laughs> it went and blew, <laughs> blew up in, in a good way right <laughs> well we didn't do uh we didn't do cameo in chicago which i think is one that um would have fit that description yeah. and so that's that's one that that comes to mind uh, but it's hard i mean i think like you look at um you look at this and you know I, everyone that i know in venture is like really competitive and like really wants to go out and win um but like the just the math of it is you're not going to win every time not only you're not going to win all the deals you do but like like it's not all the deals you do are going to be grand slams but you're also not going to win every great deal and so um we've actually taken more of a an appreciation for the fact that if we're not at least occasionally losing a deal then we're probably not even looking at all the right ones you know um that makes sense yeah that's so, a good indicator right like you're you're going down the yeah. right path you're not obviously not going to be right all the time but you know yes yeah, Still makes it tough to attend somebody else's celebration party, but uh, no, <laughs> right. it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. It's all good. Yep. Well, um, definitely familiar with Cameo and they are doing good stuff. I'm sure there's others that you have invested in though that'll, you know, make that up. All right. So you, on your website, I know you, you're part of um, Black VC. You, you focus on diversity and I wondered if you could share a little bit more about your focus and how that kind of, you know, helps seed your culture at M25. Totally. Um, so yeah, as you mentioned, I sit on the national board for Black VC, and I also um, co-lead the Midwest or Chicago chapter of Black VC. Um, and Black VC's mission really is to um, grow and further the representation of Black Black investors in venture capital. Um, you know, we looked at the stats years ago, or the, should I say, the founders of the, the organization looked at the stats years ago, and um, were 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 terrified by what it what it said, and um, just wanted to make that mission to not only not only grow the amount of, of folks in the business, um, but also make sure that they're in positions where they can actually be successful, where they actually influence investment decisions, um, where they're um, where where they're not in call it like diversity theater um, type roles, and so that's been a big um, passion of mine. I think like the more and more I see. Um, other individuals of color or another diverse background in the room, um, I get more excited. Not to say I don't have non-diverse friends that I, I don't get excited to see as well, but um, I just, I just um, that's something that um, personally um, drives me um, to see progress. And, and with M25, I think it's, it's been really interesting and um, I'm really proud of what we've done. We, you know, we've always been um, purely an ROIC confirmed. So, um, we raise from investors who are purely um, looking to, you know, get a strong return on investment for the, their investment. And um, not to say that we're not raising money from great people with great ethics and great um, morals that also agree about diversity, but that's just kind of how we're set up. Um, but with that, 
um, I think we saw an opportunity to still say that, like, even though we're not measured by our LPs, if you will, um, by a focus on diversity, we can still let our values, we can still live out our values and, and participate as a, as a leader um, or as an ally in this um, through our values and through our practices. So um, we've done a few things here. Um, we've uh, done a pledge um, to anti-racism anti -racism and allyship that you can find on our site. Um, we have some um, initiatives that we take on here, one of which is um, our diversity report, which we published this spring, um, where we're basically saying like, you know, we are gonna um, set goals and hold ourselves accountable to our deal flow and our investments and, and at least like be transparent about what we're seeing and, um, and the types of the founders we're meeting with and, and what our portfolio is looking like. And, and then the hopes that it, um, you know, um, is an encouragement to other folks like us, whether you have a diversity focus or not, that there's a, a good way to, to do this and be a, be an ally and a participant in it. Um, and I'd have to say like one of the proudest statistics I'm, um, that I have from that report is um, as the time of the writing, which was again, spring of this year, um, nearly half, about 46% of all the money we've deployed, that includes um, first check, following checks, SPVs, about 46% of that was invested into black, Latinx and or female founded companies. Um, so underrepresented founders, by the way, we defined it in the, in the report. And um, to me, that said a lot. And, and I hope it's an indicator that um, you don't have to be a, call it an impact driven firm to still um, drive a lot of impact, if that makes sense. Absolutely. That's great. Congratulations on that. Um, I also wanted to mention, take a moment to say, I, you know, I do see in, you know, with what you're doing at Black VC and there's a couple, a couple other efforts too out there 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 is change happening there's a long way to go to be at you know equality but you're seeing a lot more um people of color um jumping into venture which has got to be exciting for you as well i mean you're, you're it's working what you're doing is what i'm saying thanks yep all right so let's jump into your game you now you have this like side hustle which i find really <laughs> intriguing as a VC, right? You've got this other other thing going on, which is awesome. Um, so about what is it about like eight months ago or so, maybe nine months ago, um, you created a game, a tabletop game about the VC world called Unicorns to the Moon. So can you tell us a little bit about it and what inspired you to create it? And um, maybe share, you know, I guess a little more about it and how, how people can get into it. Totally. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, yeah, so this is uh, the product of me maybe having too much fun we'll find out. Um, but, uh, no, I, I woke up one day last year and just like, couldn't stop shaking this idea about this board game. And like my wife, Erica literally saw me like drinking my coffee, just standing, staring off, which is usually a good sign or a bad sign, I guess. And she asked what was going on. <laughs> I, I told her, um, I told her I, I wanted to make a game about VC. I, I, and I was, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And she kind of eye rolled and we went on with our day. And about a month later, I still couldn't stop thinking about it. We had taken an international trip and we're coming back and it was all I could think about on the flight back. And so I started kind of sketching some stuff out and writing out some rules. And the next thing you know, I had this prototype that I was making uh, her play and then my team play and then my closest friends and, and kind of iterating along the way. And what I what I decided was that, uh, and so for some context here, I'm a I'm not your most serious board game player, but I'm, I'm, I'm more serious than most board game players. You know, like I, I play a decent amount of games 
um, uh, with some good friends of mine and um, really into Euro style and strategy games. Mm-hmm. And, and what I thought I had here was like an interesting game that, you know, not quite anything like it. The closest thing people can, can kind of draw it to is like, you know, uh, a, a Monopoly 2.0, I guess, which I would say is, is not a fair description. Um, but, but basically what, um, what I thought here was I could make an interesting game and I bet it could do two things that would be really cool. One would be to expose a new group of people to this weird thing called venture capital and tech, um, specifically venture capital, because frankly, like I didn't know, I didn't discover venture capital until, um, you know, during slash after college, you know, I, I, right. I think yep. I kind of knew that people could invest in companies, but this whole VC thing was incredibly foreign to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know for large groups of people, it still is. And so um, thought it could be like, call it mildly educational and informative and exposing um, to a new group of people. And then secondly, um, I donate the majority of the profits to um, nonprofits like Black VC, like Latinx VC, awesome. Black Girls Code, et cetera. Um, yep. To, to further um, diversity, who are furthering diversity and inclusion in, in tech and venture capital. So with that with that kind of like idea of like, hey, this could actually help further those things to those things, I decided to go ahead and productize it and and make it. And um, it's been a blast. Um, basically, you, you start the game, you each get um, 200 million unico- unicorn dollars. Um, and you can, in the first phase, you get to kind of like pick your strategy you know, are you going to be really good at investing in like supply chain logistics? Are you going to be really good at investing in B2B companies? Or are you going to be a generalist? Um, in the second phase, you get to go through a couple rounds of investing in companies and playing at like paying for action cards, which allow you to like hire advisors or start a meme war with your neighbor or um, hire a celebrity to endorse one of your games. Um, sorry, one of your companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last phase, you go through a series of decisions where you're like, okay, do I want to cash out or do I want to roll the dice um, and see if this thing actually launches a unicorn to the moon and, and make, a, make a bunch of money. Um, and the winner, of course, is the one who uh, makes the most money. So that's the game. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah, there's nothing else like that when you know we were you know, coming out of school or even earlier than that. So I, I love that you're doing this. It's going to educate a lot of people on, on this, you know, how to get into VC and just understand the whole, whole setup better. So uh, appreciate that. And I love the cause aspect of it, of it too. I didn't realize that um, that's what you were doing with it as well. So um, I love that you're continuing to push forward with that. So where can they get it if, if somebody wants to buy it? Yeah, totally. Um, uh, it's just unicorns to the moon.com. Uh, that easy. And uh, we shipped all over the US and a few other countries as well. Excellent. Mike, it was a pleasure to catch up with you. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, if people wanted to connect with you and, and find you, where, where should they find you to, con- to contact you if they've got uh, more questions or maybe they've got a startup or maybe they've just got want to chat? How can they find you? Totally. My li- I'm, link- I'm terrible at LinkedIn. So I would say at dmikeasem on Twitter is easy. And my email is also just mike at m25. All right. Thanks so much, Mike. Really appreciate you sharing your story and uh, some of those tips and things you're looking for when it comes to pitches. I'm sure that our listeners could tailor their pitch to you now and uh, they may reach out. So look out for that. And it's always good to catch up with a fellow Boilermaker. Uh, Purdue Boilermakers are uh, they're around, but they're not, you don't see them as much. So I'd like, uh, I like uh, catching up with Boilermakers as you are as well as I am. So boiler up. 
Well, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. It's the end of this episode. It was a, a good one. And if you did, please do share it. Uh, we really appreciate it. Maybe you can help somebody else out there in the world by sharing this podcast. And uh, again, thanks again for listening. And if you uh, have a startup idea and you want to get it going, today is the best day to start up. Not tomorrow, not the next day. Get it going, get it started. And of course, we encourage you to join our community for access to support, expert advice, and all the resources that you need to elevate your startup by simply going to startupofyear.com. You can apply, become a part of the community, or just go to soty.link forward slash apply. Until next time, I'm Frank Gruber. It's still summertime. Hope you're enjoying it. Uh, Be safe out there and don't forget to hug your loved ones and good luck starting up. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe and we'll be back with another episode soon.